Welcome back to the Bulls Beat Bulls fans. Doug Donis here with you discussing our Chicago Bulls. And I am without my buddies, uh, C. Red Fred and uh, Mark K. of Australia today. Just couldn't make the schedules work, so I'm going to bring you the solo cast because the Bulls have won nine games in a row. And with this winning streak, the Bulls are now on a pace for 59 wins throughout the season. The schedule is about to get harder. We'll see if the Bulls can maintain you know, that, that kind of rate through this tough schedule. It was, it was really a pretty weak sauce uh, stretch of teams they played uh, during these wins. Uh, they got the Lakers, Rockets, Pacers, Hawks, Hawks, Pacers, Wizards, Magic, Wizards. And the thing I'll say, and I've said before, is you don't always win the games you're supposed to win. You don't always lose the games you're supposed to lose. Winning nine in a row, even against poor teams, as long as they're NBA teams, is always impressive. It's just always impressive. It's like the other day, I think it was uh, Fred and I were talking on the Big Red Bus, and I believe it was the, it's either the Bucks or the Nets who lost to the Detroit Pistons. You know, like one of the worst teams in the NBA. And that's just how it is. Like, you know, you can be a great team and still drop one of these games to a poor team. That just happens sometimes. So that is the way it goes. And it's nice to see the Bulls take care of business, even though some of those games obviously very close. I don't think on this podcast we actually talked about the back-to-back DeMar buzzer beaters yet, which was just absolutely insane. Absolutely insane. What a what a great set of... Uh, uh, play that was as a Bulls fan to watch those two games. You know, I think the first game, <laughs> Demar admitted he, he kind of lost track of the clock, and you're just watching that like, what are you doing? And then it goes in, and you're screaming. The second game, it was a more reasonable shot, but still not like you know in Demar's wheelhouse to be shooting threes and double coverage. Uh, but you know, pump fake worked well. He had his feet set. It was a corner three, so shorter three. So that one wasn't nearly uh, as surprising as the first one. So. Now that the Bulls have kind of had this long stretch, they now go against you know some some decent teams coming up. They've got the the Mavericks on the road uh, starting tomorrow, maybe today, depending on when you listen to this. Maybe already will have happened, but uh, Dallas Mavericks on Sunday. They then have the makeup against the Detroit Pistons, which is uh, kind of a bummer in the sense that it, it creates a back-to-back scenario for us. Uh, it was kind of a shame we couldn't have fit a game on this past Wednesday when we had this like really long break and we could have still fit a game in without having a back-to-back. But every team we needed to make up with was already scheduled that day, so just didn't didn't work out. Uh, so that Pistons, you know, gives us probably a win in, in this stretch that wasn't there originally. And then we go against Brooklyn, Golden State, road game against Boston, probably not too scary, road game against Memphis, and then we got uh, Cleveland at home, road against Milwaukee. So that's like a, a stretch where we we'll really get to test ourselves again, you know, in a way we've not been able to test ourselves uh, in the past. I mean, you have to feel like the law of averages uh, will catch up to the Bulls at some point, <laughs> just because, you know, their their net rating actually doesn't support to have won as many games as they do. If you ever look at Basketball Reference, they have uh, an expected win loss column. The Bulls' expected record is 22 and 14, and as I like to say, you don't always win when you should. Uh, so those wins that they're banked. You know, that's something we said early in the year. They're banked. They, they count now. It doesn't matter if we should have lost some more games. It doesn't mean that uh, the world is going to catch up with us. It doesn't mean anything like that. So uh, super happy uh, to see where the Bulls are. Now, looking at the team, uh, some things have changed over this stretch that really now change what the Bulls might consider doing at the deadline. And hopefully when uh, all of uh, us are back in the show, we'll get to debate that a little bit more vigorously. So now you only get my opinion on it. But the big thing is, are you trading Kobe White right now? Kobe White, at, when he first came back from the shoulder injury, was just awful. 
just awful. Like, like out of the league, awful. And, you know, it was, it was like maybe 10 games, I want to say. He started out really bad. And, you know, you go through that stretch and, you know, people start questioning, like, is Kobe White any good? He's just kind of a chucker. You know, what's going on here? And we know Kobe's a streaky player, but, you know, it's just, just awful. And it's tough to come back from a shoulder surgery. I, I talked about that a little bit on the, the show. I've had two different surgeries impacting my shoulder. And, man, it, it took a long time to learn how to shoot again after that. It was, it was not easy to come back. And so, so I get it. And he's rusty and probably not in game shape, whatever. Then he gets COVID, uh, goes out for COVID, comes back, still struggles mightily in his first game. Second game, plays really well against Houston. You know, third game against Indiana, craps the bet again. And now, so at this point, he's 12 games into the season, and he's had two good games and just like a ton of awful games, right? Just a ton of awful games. And then after that, he just rolls off like, all right, next game is okay against Atlanta. And now he's rolled off five games in a row that are basically spectacular. I mean, just basically spectacular. Here's his uh, three-point shooting percentages over the last few games. 42.9%, 42.9%, 3 of 7, 33%, not so great, 3 of 9. Uh, then 6 of 7, 4 of 8, 2 of 5, 4 of 4. I mean, that's just unbelievable shooting. And his overall shot making has been good. His defense has been much better. Uh, I think his passing has been more on point. You know, when, when Lonzo was out and he had to play some point guard, he had a 12 assist game. Kobe White just looks like a much more complete player. His defense on the pick and roll is much better. Uh, guys are not able to attack him successfully like they had in the past. His three-point percentage now, even despite the god-awful start on the season, is up to a career-high 38.6%. And he gives you now that offensive punch that we thought he might give you off the bench. He is now a player who is giving you that, uh, that, that scoring, that shot creation, and giving the offense a lift when we need someone uh, you know, and Demar and Zach aren't aren't killing it, and there's probably been like three games that we don't win if Kobe White was not on the team. Like his offense carried the team. You know, when when Demar and Zach weren't able to put up what they normally can put up, or weren't able to do it on the efficiency that they normally do it, we're in close games, and Kobe gives you like 20 points on like you know 10 shots or something. You know, like we we had some games like that, and so. Now, the good news is Kobe White's trade value has got to be way higher, right? Like, you can now point to, to what he's doing. Even his aggregate numbers are now not bad. And so, you know, for a while, it's like, oh, he had some good games, but his, his numbers were, were still not good. But now his, his aggregate numbers are even okay. You know, he's, he's three-point percentage is good. His PER is now up to 12.6. True shooting percentage up to 57.4. You know, like some of the stuff where he was like just really, really struggling with before, you know, is now up to where a team can look at him and say like, yeah, this guy actually, I can see how he can put it together and, and maybe even be, you know, a really good offensive creator who's at least average defensively. Like he looks like a piece to a team and he's, he's still, you know, at that age where he can improve. He's basically 22 years old. His birthday's in like another month. But still at a point where he can add to his game, still has another year on his rookie deal where he's pretty cheap. And so, you know, another team now is going to look at him as an asset. If you go back like a month ago, Kobe White was not looking like an asset. He was looking like he might be a bad contract, 
And, you know, this is why I had said on the show before, you just got to give Kobe to the trade deadline to try to play his way out of this. You know, like there's no reason, kind of like Vucevic, even though, you know, I've been pretty negative about Vucevic. My, my stance on Vucevic was like, well, you just got to do whatever you can to get him to play better. You got to try to find him in his spots. You got to, uh, you know, alter the offense to use him better. You got to keep letting him get good looks. Like you can't trade him and you, you can't bench him. You know, you just got to just got to let it ride out with him, even if you don't like the move, which I haven't liked. But you just got to let it ride out with him and, you know, do whatever you can to find ways to help him get back on track. And I said more or less the same thing about Kobe. You got to just find ways to help Kobe get back on track. And so the Bulls have done that. They've been steady with him. They played him at times where he probably didn't deserve it. And Iota Sumu probably deserved to play over him. But they stuck with Kobe. And doing, in doing so, they now have a player that definitely has positive trade value. And so now they'll be looking at, like, what do you do? So there was a point in time where I think we would have all said, certainly I would have said at one point in time, Pat Williams plus Kobe White plus the Portland pick, who's the best player we can grab? And you would hope you could get Harrison Barnes. Or Jeremy Grant would be like the two two guys we've talked about the most in that stretch. And now, I, th- I mean, like Kobe's played well enough where you almost feel like, geez, I don't even know if I want to do that trade anymore. And you could sub out potentially uh, Troy Brown Jr. in that trade instead of Kobe White, and it still works. One of the interesting pieces of that, though, is if you do that, the Bulls are now probably over the tax next year. And with Zach Levine's great play, he may get a supermax contract, which means you might be way over the tax next year. And so it'll be interesting to see if the Bulls look at that type of scenario and now say, like, I'm not really sure we're even better off if we do this. And I'm really, really not sure we're so much better off that I want to pay $30 million or $20 million in tax if I have to supermax Zach Levine next year. And if you look at it like, well... If Kobe has some potential and Pat has some potential, maybe this team actually has a wave with its youth to keep going after Vucevic and DeMar start to slow down. So maybe, I mean, Vuce has got one more year after this one. He's a free agent. DeMar has got two more years. And so maybe DeMar can play two more years. Maybe after that, you still sign him even. You know, I don't think DeMar is going to go to zero, but you just kind of expect at his age. He'll probably not continue to play at this level, which is his career best. Uh, he probably won't continue to play this way for like two full more years, but who knows? I mean, like, why would you doubt DeMar now? Uh, and then, you know, Vucevic is still not having his best year, you know, maybe on the decline. I've always said, I think guys who are like centers and, and weigh so much tend to decline faster because it's harder and harder to keep that level of minimum NBA required athleticism when you're like 270 pounds. Like, it's just, just a tougher thing to do. So, but as those guys start to slow down and, and, like, they don't go to zero, but they slow down and maybe don't give you the impact they can now, maybe Pat can develop some. I'm not a big believer in him. Uh, but if Kobe can kind of continue on this path he is, you could start to lose something from DeMar and have Kobe pick up a little bit of that scoring load off the bench. And maybe that's what you want to do. Now, granted... You only have these guys, uh, Pat, two more years on chief contract, Kobe, one more year. Uh, So it'll be interesting to see how the Bulls balance all those salary things out. But like standing Pat now, all of a sudden, doesn't seem like such a bad idea. And the other thing is we've not really even seen how good this Bulls team can be. 
You know, it's one of the the odd things of this season, and it's probably true of a lot of teams in the NBA right now. Like, I don't think the Bulls are alone on an island here. But, you know, you've, you've not seen this team with a healthy Pat Williams while everyone is playing well. But even ignoring Pat Williams, like just let's just say he's gone for the year, and I'm only using this in context of this year. You know, Vooch was playing really, really poorly, and Kobe was out. And then Vooch starts to kind of come back and find his way a little bit. Uh, and then you start losing everyone to, to COVID. Then Co- Kobe starts to kind of find his way a little bit. And Alex Caruso and Javante Green uh, are out, and Derek Jones Jr. is out. I, I mean, I don't know how many teams are really playing reasonably healthy this year with all the COVID absences. Probably not many. But the Bulls definitely have upside left, right? I mean, like, you look at this team, and they, they've got some defensive struggles. Like, but their best defender is out. Like, you throw Alex Caruso back on this roster, and all of a sudden things look a lot different defensively. And Billy Donovan is now going to have a lot of questions about what does he do from a coaching standpoint? Because right now, while Alex Caruso is out, it's fine to play Kobe White and Io DeSumo, you know, 25 minutes a game each. Like, there's minutes available also with Javante Green out. But once Green and uh, Caruso are back, that's going to be a, a tricky situation uh, to, to see how you manage minutes and who's going to lose out uh, in the rotation there. So it's a, it, it's a good problem to have. The Bulls have a lot of depth. Uh, that's another reason why you might consider a consolidation trade. You know, Even if you lose Kobe White, like you have to kind of feel like he's shooting, I don't know what it is, like 60%, 70% over like the last six games like from the three-point line. Like You know that's not going to continue, right? You'd be the greatest shooter in the history of the NBA if that continued. Granted, if it was even on that pace to continue for too long, the level of defensive attention he would get would change radically, uh, which would also open up all kinds of things. Like if all of a sudden people have to, uh, to double-team Kobe White you know, 25 feet from the basket, it would add up a whole lot of opportunity for other guys in the roster. It'd be, I mean, it'd be insane. Like teams already frequently double DeMar DeRozan out there and Zach Levine out there, which, is, which makes sense with Zach. Like Zach, if you just give him some space, he can, he can make something happen from far away. And a lot of times they're just trying to get the ball out of his hands and Zach can sometimes be turnover prone. So sometimes that pressure, you know, yields turnovers on him. It's really nuts to me when they double team DeMar out there and it's like they not because they think he can shoot from out there, but because like if we don't start the double team out here, he's just going to get to that mid-range spot. <laughs> like if we single coverage him at the, the three-point line, he'll get to the mid-range spot, and then it won't matter if we double team him. Uh, so they, they just like trap him to get the ball out of his hands, even though he's not even really a threat from out there. It's just, it, it's just a crazy uh, experience to watch uh, how teams try to defend this squad. But if Kobe White adds himself to that list, like, man, I don't know, like, how you would defend this team. You know, if you got three guys, you have to, like, trap 25 feet from the basket. And you, then you got Lonzo Ball, who's just, like, if he's quasi-open, is going to shoot threes all over you. You put those four guys out there with Vooch out there, man, that's a, that's a really interesting lineup. If you have Zach DeMar, Kobe, uh, Vooch, and Ball out there, that's a really interesting lineup. Like, you know, DeMar is maybe the only non-shooter out there, and he still actually demands the attention of a shooter because of how deadly he is on offense. So it's, it's, it's going to be a, a pretty, pretty wild ride, I think, for this team. And so we'll see how Billy Donovan uh, you know, adjusts when everyone is back, but you have to give him props for how well he has coached this team. 
there's some some thought I was having in a little bit of a discussion post with one of one of my buddies. I'm real GM Coldfish. He said like, you know, this team is like the death of tanking. Like it just shows winning breeds winning, and the strategy of going through the draft uh, is no longer successful. You should be trading for players. You should be building your team with real players. And I think it's interesting because if you don't really have anything, you don't really have a choice. Like you need enough stuff to be able to do that. You need enough intriguing stuff to be able to do that. You know, in some ways, the one of the reasons the Bulls were able to pull this off is because they had the assets of of being bad for so long and, and guys that still had at least an air of potential in them a little bit. But the other thing is you need some type of cornerstone. The Bulls had one in Zach Levine and you need a market that's desirable enough. So like the talent plus market desirability, the combination of those things uh, need to be enough that people want to play with you. But even ignoring all of those things philosophically, and I do think building through the draft philosophically is much harder than it used to be with the new lottery odds. And then teams also almost never trade unprotected picks anymore. Like teams used to always trade unprotected picks and then they start protecting them, uh, but they would eventually convey unprotected. And now they've moved actually where they eventually convey into second rounders. So, you know, teams don't trade unprotected picks anymore. And that that's its own kind of interesting like mix on this. So it's much harder to get the draft assets you need to to build through the draft and lottery odds make it harder. So that 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 way to go around things is definitely more tricky than it, it used to be. In some ways, it's more random than it used to be because you, you can no longer as easily acquire chances, like good chances. So now there's still going to be the same number of stars. So you can still build through the draft. But now, like, you know, like those guys who get lucky and they draft a star player at 15, maybe the Ayo Dosumo is a star player that the Bulls got in the second round. We got really lucky. Like, you never know. Like, you know, getting a Jokic if you're Denver in the second round and in Murray at number seven, I think he was, if I guess correctly. Like, so you still have teams that can build through the draft, but the idea of being bad to build through the draft definitely uh, does not seem to hold as much weight as it used to. But trying to trade and acquire players in a win-now sense either, I just don't want you to think, like, like you have to credit how amazing, how amazing uh, Acme did at, at this. You know, Karnaschovas and Eversley, whoever made all the decisions there, I think we just assume it's Karnaschovas, um, I don't know if that's entirely true. I mean, Eversley had this really close relationship with DeMar and may have been heavily pushing that we get DeMar, which is really the move that was the linchpin to the whole thing. So I don't want to give it all, all the credit to Karnaschovas there. I think Eversley you know, probably had a big impact on that one decision. Uh, and that was the most important one. But regardless of how, you know, I, like, I don't care how we slice up the, the cake of uh, credit and who gets the bigger piece, like those two collectively and everyone else in the front office who maybe is toiling away and working hard and we don't know their names, all those people collectively have come to make fantastic decisions. Like every team would try and go a win now route if they thought they could go from like a 35-ish win caliber team to a team and you know, right now the Bulls are on pace to win 59 games. Like everyone would do that. All the teams starting trying to win now, like probably 25 teams in, in the league said they thought they could make the playoffs when the season started and we have the third best record. So clearly any team just wanting to win isn't, isn't, isn't enough and trying to make win now moves. Like you have to have the pieces, you have to get lucky. And the philosophy the Bulls have had towards this has been kind of interesting because when you look at their roster, they have no max players. Like, and, and Zach Levine is a max caliber player, 
I think we would say if if the league had a do-over, that DeMar DeRozan would be a max player this year, for sure. Someone else would have been happy to have him. Uh, but in terms of actual salaries, no, we have no max players. We have we have big four in Ball, Vooch, and Levine, and DeMar, who are all making, you know, like around 20-ish with DeMar 27. I mean, and that's that's an interesting thing that is very difficult to pull off and will be very difficult to pull off in the future, but it's working great for Chicago. And the Bulls, the Bulls now have, have, have just really put everything together really well. So probably the biggest changes that maybe over the last, you know, couple weeks or so, the emergence of Kobe White, I think radically changes what the Bulls are going to do at the deadline. You know, it, it changes what they can do and it also might change what they will do. You know, Kobe White now with his great play has increased his value He's definitely no longer a negative contract. He's definitely no longer a throw-in. He might be a key piece now. Uh, and you might now want to keep him because of that too. But either scenario is good for the Bulls. Good problem to have. I think the Bulls have enough depth that you still probably want to try to consolidate talent this year if you can. But then, like I said, you got to factor in how the salaries are going to work long-term for you. And you have to decide, do we want to keep pieces that we feel we may be able to build a second wave of great Bulls teams around you know, as some of these other pieces we have start to decline in their abilities. And so the Bulls have to weigh all of that. But the fact that we're sitting here with the third best record in the league, the best record in the East, nine wins in a row. I mean, like, it's all, it's all amazing. It's all amazing. These are all great problems to have. Problems we didn't think we were going to have. And so uh, just hats off to everyone involved in the organization for all their great decision-making, for doing things so well this offseason. It, it, it's really been a revelation. I'm sure all of all of us out here are really excited. Final note, I have a, a few extra tickets you know, with Omicron going crazy. You know, people have different risk tolerances. Uh, have had some cancellations to the Bulls beat Bulls game on January 19th. So if you're interested in going to that game, I can probably get you a pair of tickets. You can even come with someone else. Uh, I think I maybe six tickets left. I'm not sure. Something around that nature. So if you if you're interested and uh, you know your risk tolerance is such that you don't mind going to a basketball game, then uh, please reach out to me over Twitter. You can just uh, just at me, and uh, you know I'll uh, I'll reach out and connect with you, and uh, maybe we can meet up. That'll do it for this edition of the Bulls Beat. Hopefully, you'll have something better and more exciting next week when we get get our buddies back in here and uh, the whole crew is going. But until then, uh, we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>